Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. Check this podcast, and today we have part two of the new right. So Don is here with me already, and Matt is on his way. Uh, it's been a been a couple weeks since we did the initial stream on this and talked about the Vanity Fair article from James Pogue that looked at Yarvin, um, Masters, uh, J.D. Vance, the new right, kind of what's going on with that. And there have been a lot of other conversations that have happened over this time since we initially talked, including um, my buddy Carlos, who came on the show for a bit. Carlos did an interview with James Pogue, which was really excellent. Head over to Los Libertinos and check that out if you haven't had a chance. So Don, having had a couple weeks to uh, to mull this over and and uh, maybe think about stuff a little bit more, let's uh, want to recap a little bit, kind of what we had talked about last time, and then we'll uh, kind of look at some of some of what's happened in maybe, I don't know if I want to say in the world, since there has been a lot of stuff that's not related to this per se, um, <laughs> that's happened in the world, but there have also been some primaries that have, that have gone on over the last several weeks and, uh, different candidates have come out on top or not in, uh, in all of that. And we can, we can kind of, uh, kill a little time with that, uh, while Matt gets his camera issues sorted out. So, um, <clears throat> primarily speaking, to, to watch the last episode, you can watch me have uh, two hours of internet issues. That will be the most important thing about the prior episode. Uh, but I'm back in the studio now, so thankfully that should hypothetically not happen. I say right before my power probably goes out or something. Uh, but there was, uh, well... There's a little bit of distraction that goes on there, mostly because we start talking about uh, interviewing the guy that wrote the article who, you know, I, I am as ever horrifically bad with names, but um, no less, it's a lot of us talking about how, despite that this is somebody who um, 
is not a fan of the right pretty clearly they they don't go out of their way to make it a destructive article which unto itself is nice uh it's somebody from the left who takes at least a real examination of what the right is doing as opposed to just what you would expect which is the well they're all double-headed hitlers and therefore they must be purged from society right uh, and then uh, we move a little bit into uh, what you can do from here, how it is that you can do something productive with life, politics, etc. cetera. Uh, and I think that's basically where we closed out. I think I missed a little bit in the middle due to aforementioned two-hour <laughs> internet issues, though. Yeah, and I think a lot of what we covered in the middle um, was sort of how we've seen this new right take shape over the last year or so like since the since the 2020 election and some of the uh some of the shifting of um trying to think of the best way to to describe it it's it's a shifting or sort of a, a delineation between this new right and the yarvin jd vance like that uh peter Thiel, that sort of sect versus like the more establishment traditional really rhino-ish GOP, and even like the the Trumpian GOP. Uh, they, those have really kind of split themselves in, in some very real ways that uh, I think a lot of people, like just from conversations <clears throat> that, have, that I've had over the past few weeks and, and seen and heard, I don't, think, I don't think people necessarily understand the difference between this new right and the like MAGA right. I'd agree with that. Um, though I, I would suggest that all of this is what growing pains looks like. Because um, the right, at least in the United States and from as far as I can tell in every Western country, has effectively had uh, the vote blue no matter who uh, as their policy. Right? Well, you got an R next to your name, at least you're not a Democrat. Right. And that's you know what what's the the end result effectual difference probably not much for a lot of these people um you know lindsey graham was based for about 90 seconds in 2018 but other than that he's been garbage for his entire career um and the reality is though he he walks out and he you know holds a bible at any point in his life and he goes well but we better protect american values and everybody pays attention for 20 minutes in election season is like well that guy said American values, therefore good. And then no one pays attention to what he's doing. We all go back to our lives that we actually have. Uh, and the right figuring out <laughs> after like a hundred years, figuring out that like, hey, maybe, maybe we should pay any attention to these people, figure out what the hell they're doing uh, is is producing a lot of um, being lost and grabbing on to anything that comes by as fast as possible, as long as. What it's not is, uh, is you know, the, the turtle or, uh, you know, cocaine Mitch turtle or, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham's or, or Mitt Romney's or any of those things. And some of that's just going to suck. <laughs> some of it will be good, but some of it is just going to suck. Um, and there's a simple reality to this that the left has been playing this game for real for a century now. And what the right has learned is that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do as long as when you're in front of a camera, you say the right thing. And uh, that has produced all of the people that we all hate. 
Right. I mean, like Dan Crenshaw, when he initially ran, he didn't seem like he was terrible. And then uh, what's the, the Michael Malice saying? Like, uh, eventually they all become John McCain. Like, that's <laughs> even uh, even Tucker Carlson referred to uh, Crenshaw as I patch McCain. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they somehow that has happened. Matt, how's it going? Good. How's it going, guys? Sorry I'm late. Oh, no problem. Uh, so then my buddy Corey here, he says, when was Lindsey Graham base coming from a lifelong South Carolinian? Uh, yeah, I think Graham had like a couple moments during Trump's presidency where he wasn't terrible. But uh, otherwise, you know, that's uh, what you expect from the GOP is kind of what you get a lot of times. So that's why this this new right is kind of intriguing so and I wasn't kidding about the 90 seconds, right? It wasn't all yeah. at once. It was like 20 here, 20 there. It was right at the point where Trump was at the like the peak of his power. And it was not it was not necessarily clear whether like whether the tides had actually changed. When it seemed like there was a good chance here that seemed most likely that Trump was going to be reelected, that everything was was starting to shift, the economy was picking up steam. All of a sudden, Lindsey Graham was now suddenly very uh, he's very much a Trumpster and he was, he was talking a big game. And oh, yeah. then as soon as the opportunity, it's funny that, uh, 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 Pete Quinones has been doing this great series for the last several weeks with, uh, Thomas seven, seven, seven. And I'm right in the section. I'm going back through and listening to him and I'm right in the section where they're talking about Winston Churchill. And, uh, Thomas has really interesting, uh, perspective, very compelling perspective on Winston Churchill. Uh, but he describes basically the way that he was entirely just like a man for sale. He was, flip-flopping constantly back and forth one minute he was rabidly anti-communist the next minute he was rabidly pro he was praising stalin he's just back and forth back and forth back and forth and it's because he was genuinely just a cutout he was just like a, a an empty vessel to be filled by the highest bidder and it reminded me of the people i was thinking of he compared him to uh, bill clinton but the people i was thinking of were uh lindsey graham and uh, uh there was one other one i can't remember who but it was like the, these basically the most well-known Republicans all fit that mold. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's what we have allowed them to be right. No, nobody, uh, you know, now we look at the, the even Romney who has held that seat for four years now, right? Like he's, I think he's in his first term still, but well, we'll never unseat him. And the excuses, you know, come out ad infinitum, uh, on any given subject. Um, and we don't do anything that makes them think that any, any of this will be a problem for them. Right. Uh, we don't, we don't go down to all the local communities and go, Hey, uh, so maybe life should be better in the ways that we all agree on. And then by the way, that the long-term output of that would be that Romney goes away. Right. It, it won't be tomorrow. And by the way, the right has that problem just as much as the left does. We want it fixed now. Right. Well, it, there's been 200 years of shenanigan, uh, shenaniganry and games. They're, they're not going away tomorrow. Right. We, we established whole institutions to destroy everything that we care about. And there's a lot of people who are going to be very insistent that those institutions stay because they have careers there. They put their kids through college there. Some of them are drawing a retirement from there. And those guys are going to be out, you know, campaigning just as much to keep those things. You're not going to be able to get rid of any of this over the next 15 minutes. Um, and for, for anybody, and I know there is at least somebody who's going to be like, well, we could just boog, bro. Uh, that is not going to be over in 15 <laughs> minutes either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was funny. It's funny. I was thinking the other day how 
when I, I've been very guilty of this myself in the past, you watch these riots that'll happen where whole cities will be taken over by, by, uh, as you put it, shenaniganry hooligans <laughs> taking over the streets and rioting. And there's always some Republican type who will say something along the lines of, well, I don't have time to riot cause I've got a job. And that actually epitomizes the relationship between the right and the left in American politics, yep. because the left makes politics their job. They mm -hmm. make it their career. So they have time to dedicate to the things that actually move the needle. Whereas the right has this perspective where it's like, we're going to show up and we're going to establish a system. We're going to instantiate it. We're going to, we're going to put it in place. And then we're just going to dust our hands off and we're going to go back to our lives and accept the system to run it, expect the system to run itself. And this is where, this is where they always get their foothold in because there's nothing a leftist loves more than a good bureaucracy. And they're oh, going to, they're going to expand that thing out and then they're going to warp it and twist it to their own ends. And it will be their sole focus that they dedicate all of their time and energy to. So oh, this yeah. is actually a weakness of the right that they're that that we have lives apart from politics. That's that's a weakness. There needs to be people whose sole dedicated focus is sustaining the political system and preserving it from intruders. So uh, th this is the thing I ran into a lot over the course of the past half decade or so. If you are that person and you are even vaguely right of center, uh, everyone thinks you're a weirdo, including the right. It's like, mm -hmm. well, bro, don't you have like a career to get to? I'm like, yes, this, this, this is the thing that we should be doing, right? Because these people, they're coming for every damn thing, right? Uh, you know, if you, if you like the socks you have at some point, these jerk offs are going to show up and be like, those are assault socks and we need to ban those socks. All right. And that sounds ridiculous, but look at what they've already done. And, and by the way, for anyone who works in trades or, or any of the things that normally make conservative people, look at your safety equipment, right? 100% guaranteed you have to wear some piece of safety equipment that is inferior to something that you would have bought on your own, but OSHA came down and told you you have to wear this one, right? And it happens everywhere all the time. And if you think it won't be for socks, well, even if in the end, the way that they do this is go... Well, you know, maybe 25,000 different kinds of socks is too many. We could be much more efficient if there was only one, uh, which is peak Venezuela, peak Soviet Union, peak Mao's China. I mean, they are coming for them. And it sounds stupid. Who would do this? The left. And they will do it. I don't care what the subject matter is, how you raise your kids, if you can even have kids. By the way, they're pretty openly talking about it now. Um, you know, whether or not you marry X or Y person, you know, any any of these things, uh, religion it, and, you know, God knows they've been coming for that since there was a left. So it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. They will come for you. Uh, and they I don't know if it's because they get bored or just because at some point they go, well, we don't quite have enough control over these people. But whichever it is, it doesn't really matter. In the end, they will come for you. Right. Right. Ultimately, any level of autonomy that you have means that you have the opportunity to delineate from whatever they have determined is the best thing for you. So they have to, at some point, take away that ability to delineate yourself from their prescribed whatever. Uh, so on all of that, uh, getting looking at the comments as we go, something that we're talking about with you know, the fact that it is going to be kind of a, a slow burn that, you you know, you're not going to fix it all in 15 minutes. Uh, you got Masters in Arizona. You've also got J.D. Vance, who won his 
primary in Ohio, like you are starting to see some of these. And again, you know, it's happening slowly, but it's it's starting to happen where some of these new right candidates are starting to get a little bit of traction, are starting to get their name out there and actually uh, get seen. Now, there has also been, I saw a article from the Washington Post that I think I shared with you all that uh, it, it, it talked specifically about uh, J.D. Vance's win in Ohio. And it said that MAGA was the real winner of the Ohio Republican Party. Like that's, that is going to be the, uh, the rallying cry of the left for all of these new right candidates is that even though there is a real delineation between this new right and the MAGA right, uh, they're, they're going to lump it all together. And the average American is too either removed from it or just too dumb to put any amount of effort into looking into it beyond, okay, Washington Post runs a headline that MAGA is the real winner in Ohio. He must be, Vance must be a, uh, a MAGA, MAGA guy. Candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, so he's our enemy. And it's, uh, so, this harkens back uh, as repopularized, I guess, by Razor Fist. The um, there's a there's this commie in a library in like the 30s or something, and he's dear communists. What you should do is equate your enemies with something that is already terrible. So uh, anytime you disagree with someone or someone disagrees with the communist party, call them Nazis because everyone already knows Nazis are bad, right? And They've been following that playbook until they had something that they had equated so well with Nazi for the left that they now they don't have to say Nazi. They say MAGA, right? Trump, fascist, DeSantis is a fascist, right? Uh, And that's that's never going to change, right? I don't care what is going on in 100 years. The uh, the leftist of in any discussion will be standing there talking about how, uh, you know, to to give freedom tunes a little bit of cred here, I guess, uh, credit the, uh, you know, well, uh, my opponent, while he may be in favor of transgender infants is not in favor of transgender fetuses. And as we know, that makes him a transphobe. Right. And that's how it will always be. Uh, they, they will equate you to whatever they think the worst thing in the world is and anything that they can brand. And by the way, dear right, anything that you create as a branding, they will immediately staple to something terrible. Uh, and then they will start calling you that new thing. Be like, oh, you must be a, you must be a MAGA guy because, uh, uh, you know, Trump wanted to, uh, purge black people or something right he's something ridiculous he, he's he's gonna he's gonna murder all of the black people even though he's the only president in history to send the fbi to chicago to stop black people dying i mean i, I don't know um but that's how they'll do it right that's that's the game they don't care what it is that you want to do except in so far as it's not what they want to do and so if you don't want to do what they want to do you are the worst person ever don't believe that. Go look at, you know, even leftists who step out of line here uh, and make no mistake. The left is very good at deciding that this person is no longer particularly useful. Right. Uh, so when J.K. Rowling goes, well, but not everyone can identify as a woman. Well, all the cultural influence of her books is waning. She's no longer some powerhouse getting invited on every TV show. She's no longer. Uh, this huge cultural icon that everybody can get behind and, and talk about how, well, Hermione could have been black or whatever stupid crap that was. Uh, 
No longer is she this person. And then she goes against the grain. Uh, well, sad news, lady. You're out of power now. They don't think that you are the thing that is going to quest forward for them. And you said the wrong thing. Now it's time to go. Uh, and what happens to her? The same game, right? Oh, you're, you're transphobic. You're probably a MAGA supporter. What does being a MAGA supporter have to do with saying women are women? No idea, but apparently it does. Well, that's like I think we talked about Glenn Greenwald a little bit on the last the last time when we when we had this conversation. Like Glenn Greenwald, by all accounts, is very much a leftist. But whenever you look at the way they have attacked him over the last several years, you would think that he is um, <laughs> to to this point he's. He is an ultra MAGA turbo Hitler just because he doesn't ag agree with a hundred percent of everything that they say all the time. Like you, yeah. you are not allowed to disagree with anything. If you do not perfectly toe that line a hundred percent of the time, you are now the enemy or they will, they will either paint you in that way or they will browbeat everyone who might've supported you until they all turn against you and force you to come back and say, okay, Sorry, I made a mistake. I was clearly insensitive to this, this, and this. And now I see the error of my ways, and, and I'm going to get in line with whatever the marching order of the day is. Well, repent your sins. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's an, it, this, is, this is They're responding to an apostate. That's why, shout out my buddy uh, Jason from the 2-Bit Podcast. He's, a, he's been, on, been on a big Gerard kick lately. And that's... The someone like Glenn, who was close to who was was a leftist, who was part of their milieu, who then leaves the reservation, he's going to get it a lot worse than someone who was never even a part of it. This is a part of the Girardian mimetic theory that that we end up having fights with the people that we're closest to. So there's so like uh, interlibertarian fights are far more passionate than libertarian versus communist fights. Just because the libertarians and communists don't see each other as as kinfolk, even though I would argue they are. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, they don't see themselves as as kinfolk, so they don't fight as rapidly as, say, a minarchist and an anarchist would. So for Glenn, he made the he made the the mistake of daring to be on the reservation and then leave the reservation. So he's going to get it the worst, and then he's going to be put through the ringer the most if he ever wanted to come back. You're seeing this with that guy, that Washington Post reporter right now, uh, Dave Waggle. Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce his name. The one who who retweeted the joke that was that was apparently not not allowed to be retweeted. He's going to get the same thing. He's going to get a struggle session. He's going to have to really be put through the ringer in order to be accepted back. He's going to have to grovel. He's going to have to get on his knees and 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 flog himself. It's all entirely the exact same phenomenon as the Spanish Inquisition. It's the same exact. Uh, cultural meme playing itself out over and over again. Mm. So Greenwald's problem uh, is that if you if you get get your way back machine now, because apparently I'm old as dirt, uh, and you go back to the 90s, uh, and you you still see the the left reference this all the time. Oh, the the Republicans, the right rah, party of stupid people, knuckle draggers. Right, we are the party of science. Right. Uh, which is unto itself a stupid statement, but they love to make it. And so Greenwald, growing up professionally in that era, went, well, when I publish the Snowden interview, when I go after the government for being corrupt, the left really likes this, and I sort of agree with them on some things. Therefore, 
the left is interested in the truth. They're interested in what matters, what is real. And what he is finding out right now is the moment the left has real power and it can exert it over you, they don't care what's real. <laughs> they care that they keep going in the direction they've been going. And whether or not it's right or wrong, you better shut up and get on board. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of shift a little bit on that because like you have seen Greenwald um, not entirely reject the left, but since all of that has happened, he has definitely moved. I don't know that I would say more, more right, but definitely more right than what he had been maybe initially. And, and you are starting to see that with some other, maybe less prominent figures, but it, but it is happening on the left that some of these people have just kind of, uh, given up on that and and now you have these big rifts that are starting to open up on the left um and i i think the the rifts on the left may be more damning for them than the rifts on the right because the on the right you have you know you you really have kind of three different sections that are starting to uh show who they are you have the new right the maga and and then like the rhinos or the the establishment type gops well, you have the same thing going on on the left, and there are some who are on, you know, would be more traditionally considered on the left who are starting to kind of embrace that. All right, if, if I'm going to be a Nazi because I don't agree with you, then fuck it, I'll go be a Nazi. Like, I will, I'll align myself with the things that are actually right since you're going to demonize me and attack me no matter what I do. Uh, are y'all seeing any of that in kind of, paying attention to the news cycle, especially with the midterms coming up and and the uh, primaries that are going on, uh, because you're seeing you're seeing big rifts between the progressives and the moderate uh, leftists. What are, what are y'all what are y'all's kind of thoughts on how that rift is opening itself up on that side of things? So. This is not new. The left does this on a regular basis. Um, and the left is more prepared for this than the right is, which is why it always seems like the right is very factional and infighting, um, you know, branded the party of no during the Obama years because it doesn't matter uh, what it is that the right wants to do. At least one third of the right doesn't want to do it. <laughs> right. Uh, and so we of even, again, vaguely right of center, uh, we we get all attached to uh, perfectionist principles, right? Uh, and it's not, it's not uh, like the NFA, right? Is, is, is anybody a fan of the NFA on the right? There's like, I'm sure four people are, right? I, and those four people somehow or another are going to end up in the Senate and be like, all right, so we've complete, we've got a, a, a veto-proof majority as long as every uh, Republican votes to repeal the NFA. And those four assholes are going to be like... Nah. Right. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter what you're doing. We're going to lose, you know, some portion of the right. The left, on the other hand, is very aware. Go go watch like overt communists, uh, you know, the, the Voshes of the world who will be like, look, Joe Biden isn't the most progressive communist candidate. Uh, however, he is going to do the things that we want to do, and he's going to do it way more than Donald Trump. So we're going to have to suffer through Joe Biden because Joe Biden will at least get us the direction we want to go. And when it's not uh, meat meets the metal time, when it's not 
the time to actually be in the fight. The left divides very quickly and they fight a lot. And yes, they lose some people, but this has been the train forever. You know, look at the, the Larry elders. What is that guy like 60 now? And what is it that he says every time? Oh, when I was younger, I was a liberal and my beliefs haven't changed any. Right. Uh, when the, the primary uh, person I can think of that this doesn't apply to is soul who was like, yeah, I was an overt communist till I worked for the government. And then to hell with that, they're wrong about everything. But everybody else, everybody else is, uh, well, you know, uh, back in the 60s, I was uh, I was for the sexual revolution and, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of uh, social programs. And and I, I don't think social democracy is all that bad of an idea. Right. And you see this in the modern world with Dave Rubin. Right. Who? Well, I think we could still do this. And yes, he ever so slowly moves out of that. Right. But in the meantime, he holds a lot of uh, cultural power to the people who like, well, but, you know, the middle. Right. Uh, the, the middle is right about everything. You see Elon Musk doing this. Right. I want centrist left and centrist right candidates. So you want the left from 10 years ago. That's what you want. Right. That's that's all you're asking for. You want Bill Clinton back. You want, uh, you know, the the various idiots of that era who go, well, you know, uh, as long as it's it's the economy, stupid, we, we need to have good economic policies. But have you considered it's a hate crime uh, to punch a gay person? Like, well, is it? Because I'll punch straight people till the end of my lifetime. But if like, hey. If, if I got to get in a fight with somebody, somebody's getting hit. I don't know what else to say to you. If that person's gay, they're getting hit too. But guess what? Bill Clinton put uh, decided that that was a hate crime, right? And so, yes, they keep moving, uh, but they need to not do it so publicly, right? That That's what everybody's asking for. Whether they mean that or not, that's what they're asking for. Because Bill Clinton did that very quietly. Right. He yeah, nobody even remembers that he did this, but they remember that he was there for the Internet exploding. OK, well, all right, fine. Yes, he was. Uh, nobody remembers that Bill Clinton is probably the one who caused the housing crisis in 08. Yes, a bunch of Republicans brought it up in, you know, from 2009 to about 2015. Like, hey, you can't just give loans to people that suck. You can't. Turns out they don't pay him. And what was that? Well, that was a giant lie. Well, what is that? What does anything happen? This is clearly George Bush's fault. The left is so much better at this than us. They will shed the people who have grown older, whose time preference has gone down some, uh, you know, who don't necessarily think that the most extreme revolution is required today. And we kindly gave them public schools. So they're minting out a new generation of crazy leftists as fast as we can produce children. Right. And. It's all, it's very little things that do it, right? It's, uh, you know, like the 1619 Project, we all we all worry about transgenders in classrooms, right? And it's it's still relatively small numbers, right? It's, it's only a quarter of students who are engaging in gay and transgender and blah, 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 right? But that is a lot. On the flip side, presumably, that means 75% of students are coming out conservative, right? Uh, no, 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 no. Not even close, right? And... The little stuff that the 75% picks up, that's the win, right? Like, yeah, okay, we push this 25% over here that does the really crazy stuff, but the 75%, we're moving the whole boat, you know? Yeah, sure, there's a there's a masthead on a boat, and that masthead's crazy as shit, but the whole boat is going this way. <laughs> this is a, uh, you can see the left, they like, they're kind of fractionating a little bit, but you can see, obviously, we're in an election year, and we're coming right up to a to an election, 
And I think this is probably a ma- one major reason why all of a sudden you have this coordinated campaign on mass shootings. Mm-hmm. It was for for years. It was just completely out of the out of the, the news cycle. And there even now you'll see these tweets every few days. Now, people are saying in the last three days, there's been 12 mass shootings. And so like the shootings are there all the time. They're constantly happening. But just some of them just randomly wind up becoming the trending news cycle issue for, you know, for a week. And part of that is coalition building. That's what, that's the thing that and abortion are like the things that will always bring those, those mushy centrist type, the Dave Rubin types, it'll always bring them back into the fold. Ultimately, maybe not Dave Rubin, because he's kind of, he's staked out his own, his own position, but the, the, the kind of squishy moderate types who are like, Oh, we just want to go back to 10 years ago. But this is really the this is the source of the left's power. This is how they continually move things forward is by never settling. There is never going to be they know that a culture is never going to have some kind of organic stasis where we have just arrived at some some level of of uh, um, of just of just a stasis where we can just stay here exactly at this point and just never change, never evolve, never adapt, never progress in any direction. That's never going to happen. That's not how human civilizations and societies work. There's constant adaptation and change. So in a democratic environment, the way to maintain power is to constantly seek to upset whatever the current stasis is, constantly drive forward, constantly be pushing the envelope and expanding things outward because they have a constant source of new blood. Every year, you get a whole new bunch of 18-year-olds who are now able to vote. They have, and those, the people, their, their new blood just happen to be the people who are one, the most impressionable, the easiest to manipulate and to, to coerce if you have control of popular culture and the people who are the most in tune with popular culture. So the old people who are the ones who are more likely people naturally get more conservative as they age, the old people who are the ones who are going to be the most inclined to hold on to the stasis. They're just by default, they are going to age out. They're going, they're, they're going to be gone. So the, the, the way that the left took hold of the universities and, and by default, the rest of the, of the, the, the schooling, public schooling system, this, like, this is the source of their power because they're always going to get new blood brought into the system. And they can, they can actually use this fractionating and, and, and kind of um, squabbling to their own advantage because it gives them wedge issues to consolidate the core of their base around. Because oh, yeah. when it comes down to it, you're going to get one of two choices. This is the two-party system. When it comes down to it, you're going to get one of two-party choices. So it doesn't matter what people do in the years leading up to that point. When it comes down to it, you just have to force people to your one choice. And yeah. that choice could be anywhere along the spectrum. But as long as you control it, then it doesn't matter what people did in the years leading up. So well, I'm talking about the university system and like the way they, they really just completely t- took that over. Like if you looked at back in the, I don't know, early 2010s, like when Shapiro was getting canceled and you had the Evergreen College thing and all of that stuff, like anybody who even remotely suggested, hey, maybe we shouldn't be complete psychotic leftists. Maybe we should think about things in a slightly nuanced way. Those people got canceled. They got run out of their jobs. They got run off of their campuses. They were not allowed to stay at all. Like, And they're, uh, what is it, the coddling of the American mind. Where, like the authors of that are by no means right wing in any way, but they really do a good job of explaining how like the left just completely demonized anybody that was not willing to go wholesale on the most psychotic, progressive everything on college campuses. Like you either 
you either align with it perfectly or you don't have a job anymore. You are kicked out of academia effectively. Yeah. Um, to piggyback, I guess, off of what Matt was saying, um, a good portion to the earlier demonization discussion, a good portion of the way that the left gets everybody in line is that it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the discussion. Uh, they are the worst person on earth. And the best example of this in human history, probably for all of time, will be Mitt Romney, who, per Joe Biden, is going to put you all back in chains. Mitt Romney marches with Black Lives Matter. Romney is going to put all the black people back in chains, right? Come on. This guy, uh, being very generous to him, would be to, to call him what he has been called for years, which is a wet blanket. It, the man is a freaking leftist, but... He's a Mormon, therefore he must be right wing because he at least superficially adheres to some sort of religion. Uh, and this is this is the game they play, right? So the one of the benefits of having your constituency be very high time preference is that they also have really short memories, right? Uh, they, they want things and they want it now. Uh, and part of the, the benefit of the, the my youth, right? Uh, and this is why college is important, because the left, despite whatever they say, every, you know, uh, Obama, uh, the the 18 year olds going to come out to vote for me. No, they didn't. Right. 18 year olds don't vote for anybody. They go back to drinking, smoking, and, uh, having sex on, you know, 24 hours a day uh, whenever they're not working or sleeping. That's what they're trying to do. It's how 18 year olds are in general. Yeah, I know there's somebody in chat who's 18 year old and is, is a virgin and has twenty five thousand dollars in savings. And yes, you have a low time preference. You're the one. Congratulations. We found the unicorn. Everybody else is a retard at 18. All right. And they do dumbass things. They don't, you know, they they grow up with a cynical view of uh, anything to do with politics. So they're not very interested in voting. And they go out there uh, and they go, yeah, man, like uh, what we really need to do is overthrow the system, bro. Like what we, sh we should just all live in one giant commune, man. Uh, and then they don't do anything. On the other hand, if you run people through four years of college, even better if you can run them through six. That moves you from 18 and 19 in high school graduation out to 22 to 24. Now, where's the first actual voting demographic? 23 or what is it, 24 to 28 or whatever that thing is. That's the first time you get people voting. So uh, in any real numbers, right? The first voting demographic. So if you can run leftist nonsense and then really hammer it home in college, really go, well, we're now making you the experts. Just imagine how much better life would be if you as the experts were deciding how everything was going. You who know that this communist, socialist, dick suck, leftist crap would just be brilliant because we've taught you how if you cut off your dick, you're a woman. If you were in charge of everything. Right? And then look at what the left does. Those people then go out and vote. Those people then go out and organize. Those people get trained into doing so with college clubs. Because, by the way, you find much less of those clubs in high schools anywhere in America than you do in college. You find all the political activism really start in the college years. And everybody likes to go, well, Don, but that's because no one under 18 can vote. Well, seniors are 18. That doesn't seem to matter any right um there could very well be a whole bunch of people being funneled into some sort of pipeline after they get out of high school that pipeline's called college right <laughs> and 
they mint this whole generation of people who wholeheartedly believe every single thing they've been fed for anywhere between four and eight years after they get out of high school. And those people go on to be the zealots for 50 freaking years, right? And this is why guys who go to trade schools, because by the way, if you go to trade schools, uh, there is no time. Like, all right, so what we're going to do is tighten down this bolt. And if you just tell that bolt that it identifies as being tightened down, then it's tightened down. Doesn't happen. No one does this anywhere, ever right? Because it matters that that bolt gets tightened down. Otherwise, I don't know, your head gasket flies off because the head is no longer attached. Who knows? Whatever your problem is, uh, you know, it's a real problem and it's verifiable. And, and that's not a thing in college. Well, and you saw that with like the, the Rogan thing, talking about like these college students are now the ones who are being told that they're the experts. You saw that with the Rogan thing whenever he was having, uh, what was it, McCullough and... Um, why am I drawing yeah. a blank on the other guy's thing? Anyway, uh, well, uh, yeah, the different, all the different, the different, like Malone? legitimate experts. Uh, Robert Malone. Malone, um, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were trying to have Rogan canceled because of having McCullough and Malone and all of these others on, it was this, it was this list of experts who said that Rogan and these episodes needed to be taken down. But if you open it up and you looked at the list of experts, I think it was about two thirds of them were PhD students. Uh, I have good news, boys, because about 10% of that list was podcasters. So you know what we all are? Yeah. <laughs> we're experts. <laughs> exactly. I mean, PhD students were being labeled as experts. Like, so wait, you, you've, you've, all of your expertise is the time you've spent in your government run indoctrination center with uh, other experts who have also spent their entire careers in that government run indoctrination center. Uh, promoting the exact same narrative and anybody and anybody who disagrees is getting run out on a rail as we've seen for you know a decade so that's that's really uh encouraging that these are the these are the supposed experts <laughs> i saw someone point this out the other day that you'll every once in a while or actually pretty often you'll see these these twi twitter threads that will start off with it's almost always from women but it'll start off with uh what was the one i saw the other day she said she said i'm I'm currently an undergrad studying sociology with an emphasis on domestic abuse. And I want to tell you why, what's wrong with the Johnny Depp verdict. So she's, she's perfect an undergrad. Like anybody with a pulse would qualify to be in the position that she is, but she's using this to pass herself off as an expert. And she genuinely sees herself as an expert on this. I was thinking about this while I was making my bed last night. Um, I was, I, for whatever reason, once I start working with my hands and doing something, I'm not just sitting here in front of a screen all day. All of a sudden, my the juices start flowing, and there's there's a mm -hmm. lesson there. But uh, I was thinking, you've got this this the Whig view of history, right? Which is this idea that that essentially human the human species is constantly in a state of progress, increasing, getting better and better and better, and we're at like the pinnacle of human evolution. This is a, this is something that is I could spend hours talking about this, but it's it's something that has has driven the evolution of leftism in human cultures for centuries now. But the, the, uh, <laughs> our expert, why sunscreen should be applied every five minutes. That was a doozy too. <laughs> um, and that's a legitimate article. <laughs> yeah, that was, she was a, she was a, an actual doctor, a literal medical doctor. Oh, that was saying that. Christ. But, uh, what, so, what do you do with the rest of your life? Like the 45 <laughs> seconds in between applying, like, all right, finally done. Huh? <sighs> All right, let's light this cigarette. Cool. Time to apply. Yeah. 
She was saying, especially you have to do it inside because windows, like the sun can shine through windows and the windows don't stop all of the sunlight from getting to you. So you have to make oh sure you keep God. applying. Yeah. Anyway, so you get the, 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 the wig view of history where you, there's this, this belief that we're on the absolute pinnacle of human achievement. So this is something that's baked into our, it's, it's very difficult to even get it out for, for us. Those of us who are, who are, um, what's the word red pilled, I guess just, this is still steal, baked into our psychology. Just steal and, the Ben Shapiro quote. Cause he does it all the time. Wait, wait, when, when, when is the best time to live in all of, uh, all of human history <laughs> right now? Right. Uh, <laughs> come on folks. Everybody knows we've got like vaccines and doctors and like there's cars <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I swear to God, people who say they want to live in the 1850s, they just have no idea. <laughs> Bingo. That's exactly it. So, so that, that I was starting to realize some of the, the, the downstream effects of baking that into someone's psychology. It's, it's really kind of been, um, uh, it's, it's, it's taken on a whole new level give with the rise of the universities and the universities being completely taken over after the new deal. So now you have young kids who go through the university system. Now they have a, a piece of paper. They have a credential that tells them that they're smarter and better educated than their ancestors. So a downstream effect from this then is going to be natural contempt for your ancestors, a natural contempt for the people who came before and, and, and passed old forms of wisdom. They're going to be seen as backwards. And so then you can paint past generations as Neanderthals. Well, the natural effect of that then has to be that our life now has to be clearly better, happier, more fulfilled, wealthier. Everything has to be better across the board because if anything isn't, then there's something deeply, deeply wrong. So oh, yeah. what this is, the Whig view of history, especially when it's been put on steroids like it has lately, is a recipe for serious mental illness. Because now you've got all these young kids, and by young kids, I mean basically anybody under 40, so I guess I would qualify myself there, but you've got, like, you've, you've got all these young people who have had it baked into them that everything, everything about life today has to be objectively, measurably, significantly better than any time in the past. And yet clearly it isn't. Clearly people are unhappy. Clearly crime is rising. Poverty is right. All these different things are all getting worse. And there's this sense that everything that we're steaming down a hill toward a cliff, everyone can feel that. Everyone can sense that. That sort of, of, of cognitive dissonance will make a human brain snap. So probably the best example of that I can think of is uh, Xanax. Um, you know, we... We, God, I forget, antidepressants, right? We prescribe these things at a rate that is just absurd. Uh, you know, half the country or something is taking, at, at any given year, half the country or more is taking antidepressants in some fashion. And if you if you sit and you listen to the people who examine this long enough to come out of these degree farms that, you know, and by the way, I don't care if you came from Yale, it's a degree farm. Uh, you know, it. they sit there and they they recognize the problem. At some point, they go, well, man, we really are prescribing these at a high rate. And then they kind of sit and spin their wheels for a little bit. And at the end, what they say is, ah, we got it. Everyone was always this depressed. We just didn't have a way to treat it. And we didn't have a good way to recognize it. And so in 1910, when we didn't prescribe antidepressants to anybody, uh, everybody was depressed, you know, 60% of the country, because we still haven't got to, you know, I don't know, 25% or whatever, 60, 75% of the country was horrifically depressed. They just had to live with it. And now we're solving the problem as though that makes any sense at all, but it is the conclusion they came to. Well, degree shit. farm, like you said. 
for, for anybody who's listening to the podcast, it's Cat <laughs> Gresh. This is a real. This is a real headline. Cat graduates from UT Austin after attending every Zoom lecture with its owner. They they. If this doesn't show you, just like emphasize the farce that is the university system. I, I don't know what else possibly could. What do you think the odds are that the college actually charged the cat for the degree and that the owner actually paid for it? I was about to say, what do you think the odds are that the owner actually paid for that degree? Because I would guarantee yeah. you she did. Yeah. Right. Her little uh, her little baby, her fur baby. I think the real question here is, did the cat pay out-of-state tuition? is the cat considered a resident so so did the cat have to get a social security number or Mm. passport (laughs) when they forgive student loans are they going to remember to forgive the cat's loan (laughs) only ten thousand dollars this power of the universities though is why i i am fully behind anybody who's talking about anything having to do with bankrupting the universities Particularly, like if you want to deal with the student loan crisis, this this actually this thought was was big for me because I, I went down the Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren path for a while in college because I was in college. I was going to an expensive private university that I felt kind of backed into, and was racking up all of this debt. And I was like, "Holy crap, this is insane!" And starting to learn about like how student loan debt works, like like you basically you can die with your student loan debt, and they'll come after your your uh uh the 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 rest of your your estate like like your like student loan debt is like the hardest debt to discharge which is insane because it's something that's being that that like 18 year olds are signing up for and they have no idea what they're getting into and i went through the whole indoctrination session where they're talking to you about how essential it is that you get a degree and that people will tell you that the, the debt isn't worth it but look here's the difference between income before and after like all that kind of stuff and i was like this is this is like a this is like a pyramid scheme sales pitch. This is this is. is intense. And so that made me very sympathetic. This was in early 2010s, 2010, 20, 20, 2008, 2012, somewhere in that range there. And so I was very sympathetic to Bernie and Liz Warren at the time. And so I wanted to justify the the economic question of the of the of student loan debt. And that's what actually led me into becoming an ANCAP at the time was was studying the economics of it. So this is still something that's been been near and dear to my heart ever since then. And when people talk about taking the university endowments, seizing them and using that to pay off the student loans, like that's there is so many problems that are solved with that one single move. And you don't even need a massive amount of political will to do it. Oh if yeah, you, you do. If you if you organize your if you structure your your political attack right. You don't need to get the entire country on board with it. You can start in in, in individual locales, and it's something that uh, it it there's so many so many of the, the 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 shock troops of the left. To them, their student loan debt is such a big deal that you you could peel off a big chunk of them just purely because of the um like the, the economic benefit that you're going to give them. Cause they're the, like the utilitarians that are just on board just because it's like, well, this is what all my friends are doing. And someone's like, yeah, we're going to wipe out your student debt. Okay. who? Are you? W- which Nazi do I need to sign up to support? Cause I, I'll right. get rid of my debt. And anyway, yeah. Well, the, the problem that you run into going after the universities is, is twofold. One, the, you know, the Harvards of the world are going to fight you tooth and nail because they know it's coming for them. Right. And Harvard is important because it mints lawyers, right? <laughs> turns out lawyers are good at this sort of fight. Uh, but two is the teachers union who is going to pay those Harvard lawyers. 
uh, and they're not going to pay them uh, tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you go after the schools in any way, shape or form, uh, and this was the le lesson of uh, Schwarzenegger when he was governor, is that it doesn't it doesn't matter how much the state likes you, it doesn't matter how much anybody likes you. You so much as touch the teachers unions pet projects and they will destroy you. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Um, there are some places where this is going to be substantially more viable than others. You know, the teachers union is currently going after DeSantis. Some document leaked that said he was going to go after the schools. Uh, and he went, yeah, going after the schools. But DeSantis is, for the moment, untouchable. Uh, now, that won't remain in perpetuity. But for the moment, you know, you've got the capital. You've got the will. Burn it. Burn it as hard as you can. And try and hold on until you see the outputs, right? Because, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, if you get some short term win uh, and then you lose office, right? Because someone's going to need to hang around to enforce that. So if Nancy Pelosi takes over Florida 15 minutes after DeSantis destroys the school systems in 30 minutes, they will be back. <laughs> and that's the thing that the left is so good at that the right is as you talked about earlier like the right kind of falls back on or rests on those laurels of once we get it done then it's done that they, they don't see forward into that you know we have to it's not a it's not a battle like you don't you can't just win individual battles and have it be over with you have to be constantly fighting that war it's it's never going to end and, and i mean that's been that has been played out through throughout human history and everywhere that there is an organized government, which means literally everywhere across the planet for all of human history. If there is an organized government, the people who understand that it is a war, that it is not a series of battles, they're the ones who ultimately keep power and dictate the course of human history, as opposed to the ones who, you know, who just want it to be uh, for like Pete's term and Kapistan in your head. You know, you want to win it now so that you can have this thing. But if you're not actively fighting for that thing, then it'll be trampled as soon as you stop fighting. Like literally as soon as you're not fighting actively for it anymore, then it's gone. It's it's lost to you. That so was the, the exact uh, re realization that purged me of my of my ANCAP sympathies. It was a realization that no matter what your social structure, you're always going to have evil people who will set their entire life's goal being take over whatever the political structure is, whether you could privatize the government, you could do whatever you want. You could eliminate the government. You could do whatever. And you're going to have people who will, as soon as you dust your hands off and you go back to your normal life, you're like, okay, everyone's going to live voluntarily. Now you're going to have the people who are going to work night and day, set their entire life revolving around subverting your system and taking it over for their own enrichment. That's you, you, you can't get away from that. So if, if you're, as Pete says, living in Ancapistan in your head and you're trying to fight for a vacuum, then that's indistinguishable from fighting for the people who will fill that vacuum. God, you're, that you makes are, me feel good. You are, <laughs> you are fighting with them. You are affected. This is why I say libertarians and communists are indistinguishable. They're, 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 this, they're on the same team functionally at the end of the day. Because if yeah. you're fighting to just eliminate the power structure, you're effectively fighting for the people who are going to build the new power structure in its place. So you need to have people who have their entire life set toward fighting to keep, to, to first, first build and then keep a, an ethical, moral, good power structure. 
And to do that, you're going to have to put boots on throats and, and push people down who would seek to subvert it and seek to overturn it. Real quick with the, with the Florida thing, did you see Anthony Sabatini's uh, legislation that he just announced he's putting forward? No. It, it would make parents taking their kids to a, to a like drag queen story hour or anything, any type of sexual thing like that. It would be a felony and they'll lose their parental rights. Oh God. I love this guy so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, uh, you know, the, we can just establish this voluntary society and then everybody, and then, then we can be left alone. It's like, okay. The people who, want the voluntary society or who are even okay with just being remotely not psychotic yeah they'll leave you alone but that but they're not the, the problem other, in the first place yeah right. they're not the problem to begin with like they, those aren't the people you're fighting against yeah if you put the three of us in a vacuum right like on another planet and it was just the three of us there's a very high likelihood that you know we'd all take our third of mars and we'd all just hang out and occasionally talk to each other and trade whatever we had and life would probably be pretty good uh but we all have very similar belief structures and we don't really want what the other one has we're all happy to build what we got we are not the people who are like hey so uh we need to put your kid on puberty blockers Right. <laughs> and anytime you make the argument that, well, the way you're describing this, that's not how the nature and the history of power actually works. Right. And they're like, well, yes, it is. Because if you look at this one little country out in the middle of nowhere that has 700 people, it's like, okay, that's that's not the nature or history of power. That's a right. that's the exception, not the rule. Like, the, what, what is the exception of bias, and how does it work? And then to 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 play with the with the analogy here with the, the you know we each get a third of Mars. Well, eventually, presumably, we're going to have women there, so we're going to procreate. We're going to have children. Our children are going to have children. Our children's children are going to have children. Our children's children's children are going to have children. Whatever you're building today is going to have to somehow survive these sustaining generations. It's and funny. That's exactly where I was going next. <laughs> if, you, if you want your yeah, great minds here, if you want your. Uh, it, it, if you want to ensure that your existing structure, this is what all the right-wing people want. They all want the existing structure to, to remain. They want this stasis that they've established. Like they want to write their constitution, pin it up to the wall, and then have everyone for future generations all respect that. Well, how do you accomplish that? How do we ensure that our grandchildren 10 times removed maintain the same type of relationship that we do? You need to have a belief system that transcends generations that my my great 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 grandchildren can subscribe to, that your great 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 grandchildren subscribe to, and yours that we all subscribe to, and it's a timeless, a timeless social technology that will ensure that in the same way that we exist in peace and harmony with one another, they will exist in peace and harmony with one another. Because if that if 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 that can't happen, then everything else that that we would be working for to try to maintain our third of Mars or our, our three-way split of Mars is going to be pointless because it's going to disappear a couple generations from now. Mm -hmm. And this, this was the thinking that led me back into the church, realizing the necessity of having a, a timeless uh, generation transcendent belief system that is true to reality that my generation and following generations can all believe in knowing that we believe the same thing and that we uh, we're bound together by the same values. It's uh, it's a real requirement because you know, and this is 
in the world of things that that the new right says at the moment that just pisses me off is is basically anything that's written down they're like ah it's null and void anyway right like well it's null and void because no one is standing up for whatever it is, right? And uh, much to the chagrin of a bunch of people, I made the comparison between the U.S. Constitution and the Bible. If you go to any of these, like, really progressive churches, uh, what they're talking about has nothing to do with the Bible, <laughs> right? Like, well, Jesus said, be kind to your friends. And so that means put children on puberty blockers and let the gays suck all the dick they want. Like, he said a few other things there, just so you know. <laughs> yeah i always love the well that's not the jesus that i read about in the bible like what bible did you read like yeah, I'm, right I, it feels like we got some different texts there uh, because jesus wasn't about just let everybody do whatever they want jesus was about calling a spade a spade and holding people accountable for their own action like, suddenly we've turned into we're, we're, we're getting into a solo scriptura critique here apparently because <laughs> when you just have when you just have writings apparently they can be interpreted in a whole bunch of ways and you need to have an associated tradition that informs how you interpret those writings yeah. or well, so one, one of them things that i've been trying to convince people specifically of the right of for years is that you you can't make an honest rule that dishonest people are going to follow mm. you can't do it Right. It, it's not a thing. It, I don't care if you handed down only 10 commandments that were all pretty clear. Somebody somewhere is going to be like, you know, I, I think that one uh, means the precise opposite of what it says. Right. And the same problem exists in every traditional text that has ever existed. And I don't care where you are or what time you were in. Somebody somewhere goes, uh, you know, that that's inconvenient for me. So it means the opposite of what it says. Right. And it, it, go wherever you want. Uh, you know, there, there's a reason there's a King James version of the Bible. And it, it's not because he was happy with what the text said. Right. <laughs> and whether or not that's right, wrong or otherwise, whether or not you read the King James version of the Bible, the reality of it is still there. He ran into a conflict with the church and he said, mm, I'm right. Uh, deal with it. Right. Uh, and for everybody who's vaguely on the right that likes guns, uh, you know, the Second Amendment is not unclear. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. It, yeah, not only should you be able to have uh, assault weapons, you should be able to have tanks and, and nuclear weapons and whatever, right? Like, and if you went back to the founding fathers and you asked them, they'd be like, "Yeah, wait a minute, you guys, you guys don't have machine guns. Uh, why aren't you shooting your government? Come on, we we left you this thing there that told you what to do if this happens, right? And it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is, right? Uh, in this sense, the we we all hope that if we just build a nice enough structure, if we all build a, a nice enough, you know, uh, well, what we really need is 40,000 pages of the Bible, the Constitution, law, whatever it is, right? Uh, that, you know, uh, the the book that determines how your organization is going to work, you know, uh, well, if we just write it secure enough, right? Well, the more words you add, the more places dishonest people are going to go. So that, that means the opposite of what you think it means. And by the way, this is why it's important to trust experts. It's why it's uh, the the colleges work the way they do. You know, Scalia used to talk about this when when he was young and coming up in law. You had to be a lawyer out practicing law for 10 years before you could become a judge. Now, if you want to become a judge, you better never have practiced law anywhere. You better only know the law that was taught to you in law school. Why? Because the experts will hand you this BS about well, you see, there was this one guy who determined that uh, 
I, I don't know. Uh, the, the Third Amendment doesn't actually mean anything to do with stationing troops in people's homes. It, uh, it involves whether or not the President of the United States moves the White House to your address. As though that makes any sense. But some idiot will say it out loud. He will be called a moron in his time. Five years later, he will be quoted in a new text talking about how he was such a visionary and he knew much better than you did and blah, blah, blah. And all of the sudden, you can't have people out there practicing law because if you do, what you get is they run into the old judges, the ones who went, uh, that doesn't mean that you freaking moron. And they shut them down as hard as humanly possible. And that tradition takes care of itself. So you take everybody out of that. You put the new judges in. New judges only know whatever the new interpretation is. And the old interpretation was just wrong. Uh, that, that was just a bunch of people uh, who just made something up, right? Because some random guy said something stupid. And it works the same way in every avenue. Uh, it, it's all of these progressive preachers, right? Well, well, what Jesus really meant when he said uh, none of the sodomy thing is all of the sodomy. All of it. No, where <laughs> it was only in these really specific instances is what that meant. Not, not like right. your, your chat here is just, is on fire. Bureaucracy, the God that failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those or who the... have, uh, for those who are listening, you should definitely come back and watch the, watch the replay of the live chat and just go through the chat. Cause it, it's, I, I gave up on trying to keep up with like posting stuff because it it's all so good, but they are like on fire with it. But uh, so I wanted to I wanted to touch on like what you said about they want the whole thing condensed down into like a forty thousand page document that covers everything. They want that by design because if we've seen anything, and hell, I've I've said it a few times myself. Like the whole reason that I started doing a podcast is because I would write these like long, well researched things talking about what was going on in the world. And nobody reads shit. Like, nobody reads anything. So they want all of this stuff put into a giant 40,000-page document because nobody except for the experts are going to even look at a quarter of it. And even those experts are only going to look at the quarter of it that perfectly aligns with what they need to uh, push the new norms towards. And so, so then you get this whole thing that's just completely watered down. Nobody actually cares. Nobody even knows. And it has to be the experts who are guiding and directing it. It can't be done by, you know, the three of us because we haven't spent the time. to. We don't know the context of it. And we've never looked at all of that. And it's too much for just some normal person to, to spend that time in. You have to have been some, in the university system and, and done this for... pleb, you say? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you have to have been a part of this university system for 20 years to have had the time to dedicate to looking at and researching and understanding all of it. Uh, and so it, it, it tries to remove any level of authority from anybody who's not been given that title of expert or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and this, this is the point, right? Cause you, if you, if you create a system of experts and a peer review system that all it really does is quote people who came before, then you own all of the discourse, right? All of it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what, you know, it, two weeks ago or something, uh, we, we decided that AI can figure out who's black or white based on x-rays. And yet, somehow or another, this is impossible. Human beings can't do it. There's no possible way, right? And that is because all the experts came down 20, 30 years ago and said, they're exactly the same. 
There's no difference of any variety. Like, well, do black people get sickle cell anemia more often than, uh, than white people? Just, just curious. Well, maybe, but they're exactly the same. Uh, but they're not, presumably, right? Like, the statistical differences exist in physiological features. Therefore, they're not the same. What does this mean? Well, I'm sure that's up to the interpretation of every single person who's ever been mad about any subject ever. And I'm sure I have nothing to add of any variety based on what you already think. But no less, what we can determine is that they're not the same, right? Presumably, all of us crackers are not the same either. Who knew? I... Well, I mean, it's like whenever archaeologists dig up bones and they're like, that's a man, that's a woman. And then it's suddenly, yeah. no, there's no difference between men and women. That yeah, not even sexist. How dare you? <laughs> Yeah, they they were both trans. There's no way Obviously. you can prove that they were. There's no way that you can prove that that was a man or that was a woman because you don't know how they identified. It's like that's not exactly. how. It's not how science works. Sorry. There's actually a correlation between the the rise of scholasticism. As sorry if, if Andrew is is still watching here. I don't. I'm not. I'm not deliberately trying to trigger the the, the Thomists in the room. But the rise of 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 scholasticism actually correlates with this rise of a self-appointed priest class because if you have if you're if the if the, the system of authority in your in your society depends upon on on scholasticism upon the the the, the scholastic study you need to have you naturally then are going to have to have uh experts the, the scholastics who are there to provide you with the the knowledge they're they're the ones who who divine the wisdom from these texts this is, correlates with the printing press and this, the rise of this idea that that uh, books are an authority, because I mean, prior to the invention of books, you, it wasn't treated the same way. When you had you had um, scrolls and, and 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 clay tablets, they weren't given the same level of of epistemic authority that books uh, had. Once you could once you could produce, you could mass produce writing implements, and anybody could read them. Anybody could have a book. Now you've you've created a new vector for power, because now anybody can pull out some old text and start reading it and say, Hey, actually this means this. And they get enough people on board with them and they've created a social movement. So then you need, you, you have an, like an organic priest class vector. It's like an organic vector for a new priest class to appoint themselves and to rise up. So then you need to proactively create the existing uh, or, or or the, the preeminent um, priest class. And one of the worst things that you can have in your society is to have the priests at the, the 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 top of the hierarchy, you don't want the priests being the governors. Having that as the the same the same people doing that job is a recipe for uh, for for absolute chaos and disaster, which is what we have today. So there needs to be a uh, we need we need a priest class, but that priest class needs to be doing their job, and there needs to be a warrior class, and that warrior class needs to be doing their job, and there needs to be a merchant class, and that merchant class needs to be doing their job. And right now, those are all those are getting all mixed up, and that's part of the reason why we have. The, the chaos and strife that we do. So th- this is why I hate Woodrow Wilson so much. One <laughs> <laughs> of many reasons. <laughs> All the others are secondary to this, in my opinion, uh, because he openly at the beginning of his president said, what we're going to do is we're going to get together a bunch of experts and they're going to tell us the best way to do everything. And from that exact statement, he created everything we have now. By the way, the the output of this in everyday discourse, right? And And... If you are on the internet, which I presume you are if you're watching this, and you have ever had a conversation with anybody on the internet, 
you have heard. Do you have a study for that? Right. <laughs> because what is that? That is uh, the expert said the priestly class has told you X. Uh, and this has gotten th this is so bad that there there was a guy once upon a time who was a leftist that I talked to semi regularly. And he handed me a. Uh, uh, study on gun control, one of the ones that was done at the end of uh, the assault weapons ban. And he said, see, this proved the assault weapons ban worked. So stupid me, I read the study. And what the study said was, the assault weapons ban didn't do anything. But buried in there, in the, the like, the, you know, just BS dicta portion was, but I personally think it could if we carried it on long enough. And he went, see, that proves that it works. And I went, he didn't even say that it definitely does. He just said he thinks so. And he went, yeah, he's an expert. Therefore, it works. And I went, that's that's every empirical thing that he just measured says it doesn't work at all. And if went, you would well, have yeah, just implemented it in this perfect bubble where all of the other laws that are, exist were perfectly uh, enforced and everybody in that bubble cooperated exactly the way that they're supposed to with this whole thing, then yes, it would work forever. And he doesn't even go that far. He just, well, I think it'd work. What? <laughs> Who gives that's a shit whole, what you think? It's the whole premise of why I started doing this show, because I got pissed off with seeing these fact check articles that said, um, well, actually, that's misinformation. But then when you read the article, basically it just says, yes, everything that you just said is right, but I don't like the way you presented it. So it's misinformation. Oh, yeah like thanks the way it's uh it, you know cooties was great for this right because all of us were out getting banned off the internet i forget what it's called now by everybody else but i will maintain calling it cooties because it's freaking cooties um you know uh experts say that it's gonna kill you know 25 billion people like uh, there's not that many people on earth but the experts said it's gonna kill 25 billion people but that's actually impossible. What would the experts say? Uh, bro, <laughs> I, is the earth flat now? <laughs> Come on. You're muted, Matt. I just said, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? That's, I mean, that's the same thing that comes up in the gun control debate is like when they talk about the number of people that could be theoretically killed by guns if we don't do this or we don't do that. It's like... um statistically that's an impossibility like how how are you arriving at these numbers it's like well if you look at this and this and this yeah but none of that makes sense either like where are you getting these numbers it's like well we think that this is what's going to happen because of and it's like but you still haven't proven your point what's the what well, this is indicative of is is that there's we are occupying fundamentally different realities that, like, mm -hmm. that, that we don't even live in the same world and there's no way you can you can sustain a polity with different people that live in, in completely different realities that, I, I mean, if we have different perceptions of, of how gravity works, you can't build a bridge with people that have like different perceptions of how gravity works. You can't cooperate. Right. You can't build social structures with people who live in completely different worlds. So then you have two choices. You can either segregate yourself from the others and keep them out, actively block them, keep them out, or you could, conquer them and subjugate them and force them to live in your reality. Those are your only two options. There, so is, I, I, there is no common ground. There is no work together. There is no building bridges. There's not, none of that. 
You got. I have some. Uh, I have some sad news for you. You cannot block them out. Right. right? That's and, the, that's the uh, next step. <laughs> and my my evidence for this is federalism, right? Because mm -hmm. the whole point of the way the U.S. is set up is that the states will do whatever dumb crap they want. And then the federal government will basically go campaign to each of the states like, hey, New Jersey's being invaded. You guys want to send some troops? And what did we do? It, almost immediately, the first thing we did was go, yeah, but what if the federal government like didn't do that? Right. <laughs> and as time has gone on, it's gotten progressively worse. Right. Uh, in, in nearly every fashion. So what what you can learn from this is you have to be the one to conquer them because somebody is going to be doing the conquering and it's you or it's them. Uh, and in the, the general, I, I know everyone's got their their favored uh, terms. Uh, Don, it's not left versus right. It's up versus down. It's not uh, progressives versus, uh, I, I don't know, reactionaries. It's uh, monkeys versus chickens. Fine. Whichever one is over here and sucks, it's going to be them or it's going to be the rest of us, right? And so if you want whatever it is that you want, right? I, I don't care. And by the way, the left knows this very well. If you want transgender sterilized children, you go out and you make it happen. You go out and you put boot to throat. You go out and you tell the kid who goes, uh, excuse me, teacher, maybe I shouldn't cut off my dick, that he is a transphobic, crazy person. If he doesn't shut his mouth, he'll be suspended from school and that'll get his parents thrown in jail. And... If he loves his parents, he better shut his mouth now, because if he doesn't, he's going to end up uh, in the foster system. And once he's in the foster system, they're going to forcibly cut his dick off. Right. Uh, that's like you saw that uh, the thing on Twitter where the the kids being taken to the train or to the uh, to the drag show and the the bartender asked the kid if he was gay and he said no. And then the mom said, no, he's gay. Like, exactly. Right. Like how how dare how dare the kid assume his own gender orientation or his own uh, sexual orientation without his mother's permission, you know? And this is the other thing, right? Because parents do the same thing, right? It's not any different for them. Uh, if, if mama and her 25 sewing circle friends all have gay kids, you better believe mama has a gay kid. That's how it is. And if dad is a weak bitch, uh, and his 25 sewing circle friends all have gay kids, you better believe he has a gay kid, Right. And then, and then what do you end up with? We all get portrayed like Archie Bunker, who, <laughs> by the way, I'm sure is now Hitler, right? Uh, because like, well, my kid, I, I found my kid looking at Hustler every day for the past eight years, and I can't get this damn thing out of his hands because somehow or another he keeps getting it. I feel like he likes tits. Nope, kid's gay, right? Like, <laughs> I can't get this thing out of his hands, so it's time to cut it off. <laughs> exactly, right? Now, 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 I got you now. So all of this kind of brings us back around to the sort of the original conversation is like, so now we have the new right and, and the MAGA right and, and some of what they're doing, like talking about DeSantis and what he's doing in Florida. And uh, while any of the, the Lulbert types are going to be like, oh, that's authoritarianism. It's like, OK, I like that's that's the best kind of authoritarianism. Like that's the kind of authoritarianism that you want. That's the kind of authoritarianism that you need. And it would, you know, will realign things in this country where there were not driving straight off the cliff at a million miles an hour. Like, so, so we need more of those types in office. We need more who are going to push for the right type of action because action is the only way you fix any of this. Like you don't fix it by 
leaving everybody alone. It has to be something that is aggressively pursued and it has to be aggressively pursued. So, you know, that's, we're kind of bringing it all back around here. Like all of this stuff that we've been talking about is, is, you know, what the left is willing to do versus what the, uh, the right and, and the middle are really unwilling to actively fight against. So we need more of that, like aggressive new right. We need more of that for whatever you might think of it, the MAGA right that are going to actually do something. You know what's you know what's authoritarian? Private property. Private <laughs> property is authoritarian. There is nothing voluntary about my property. This is this is what this was very revealing to me when I realized when people started talking about the actual structure and function of a private property society, I realized just how many of these libertarian and caps that, that they they read at the idea of a private property society where private property owners used violence and force to keep people off of their property or to enforce oh, yeah. their property rights. And I realized that the majority of these so-called ANCAPs, were they to actually live in ANCAPistan, would just be would be the exact same person. They would just be ringing at the existing property structures because they have a problem with, with authority and hierarchy. They don't have a problem with the state. They're just projecting that onto the state. So if you want to... Someone in the in the in the comments here said, uh, "What what happens from here? Like, what 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 do we do next?" Well, we're we're in a war. That's what what's been revealed is 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 that politics and war are on a continuum. And for a long time, we've been on the on the side of the continuum where it seems like uh, where it's like war by proxy. So there's not direct conflict, but all of those proxies are falling away. They're all falling by the wayside, and it's becoming clearer and clearer that we're in a war with an avowed enemy that is hell-bent on stamping out anybody who stands against them. You cannot make peace with someone like that. You don't make peace with someone who's attacking you. You defend yourself, and then if necessary, you attack back. Because often the best defense is a good offense. If you want to attack back, you need to be equipped to attack back. You need to have the resources, you need to have the willpower, and you need to have the, the manpower to do that. So in order to really to, 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 take a, to, to take that stand, I think that the right needs to be doing a lot of soul searching. Yeah, there you go. The right needs to Just be doing a lot of soul happy. searching on, on actually accumulating those kinds of resources. This was the, this is kind of where we were starting to get with the, with, with King Pill, as I had the wealth, power and influence thing kind of percolating in my head. And I realized that what, the right is missing here is the wealth, the power, and the influence to actually make an effective stand and fight back. And everyone is sitting here trying to figure out, well, how do we, how do we solve this national level pro, um, uh, uh, problem? How do we, how do we form some kind of electoral campaign and all this kind of stuff? You're not going to solve this problem at the federal level. It's just not going to happen, at least not in the near term. In, in order to solve the problem at the federal level, you need to be capable of solving problems at the local level. If you can't solve the problems at the local level, forget the federal level. To solve the problems at the local level, you need to be ready. Let me make sure that I don't say something that will get like no, no fed dark suits at my door. <laughs> at my door. <laughs> you need to be ready to do whatever is necessary to protect your local community and to purge these types of people from your local community. They protect your private property. And if you need to band together with your neighbors to collectively protect your property, then do so. If you need to band together with your entire community 
to collectively protect your property together. You need to do that. But that's what you're doing. You're protecting your own private property. Forget these these Democrat democratic uh, democracy myths and focus on protecting your private property from people who are seeking to encroach upon your property rights. I'm trying, trying to put this in in libertarian terms to, to try to appeal to the autists in the audience. <laughs> so uh, I, I have now finished because that is that is very similar to the, <laughs> the speech I've been making for years. So uh, <sighs> mm. Um, more seriously though, uh, yes, uh, look, um, there, there is this idea, uh, which stems from either the, the no authority thing, uh, which is truly ridiculous, right? Uh, the group of people who, who want no authority have leaders in their movement. Now, how does that happen? Well, but everybody's the same. Everybody's not the same, right? Well, but uh, Libertarian with one follower on Twitter has the same clout as Libertarian with uh, 40,000 followers. No, he doesn't, right? And, and it's he's never gonna. You don't have to like it, but it's true. And here's the problem, is most people everywhere uh, are sympathetic in some fashion or another. And one side here rides that sympathy like a train. And that train is coming right for you, right? So, uh, look, if you if you came to the vast majority of the people who are going, you know, this transgender thing is completely out of hand. This is ridiculous. And you went, well, but I got this one kid who really has a lot of mental health problems and we're, we're having the kid live as a girl for, you know, two years to see how that turns out or, you know, however long he uh, decided or we're going to have him live as a girl for a month and we're going to mandate that month so that this kid learns, that, you know, choices have consequences and find out whether or not this is most of us would go. Eh, all right. You're going to have the kid live as a girl for a month, whatever. Right. But when it's you, you take that and, and the left is so good at this, it's impossible to describe. Right. You take that one kid, you put that kid at the head of this giant formation of people and you go, everyone in the formation is this kid right now. The likelihood that anyone in that formation besides that kid is that kid is basically zero, right? The rest of them are all going, oh, the transgender kids get to do whatever they want at lunch. The transgender kids get, you know, cake every Tuesday. The transgender kids uh, can't fail classes because it's, it's you know, whatever, transphobic if they do or blah, 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 right? You start giving them all these benefits because, well, any of this might have helped this one kid. And this is what the left does. And it doesn't matter what what subject it is, go watch them, right? Uh, you know, all the people who are running Medicare for all speeches. Yeah. Well, look at this lady, because uh, this this lady was horrendously popular when Bernie Sanders was running for president. She was a, a realtor and she'd been a realtor for like 25 years and she got cancer and she never had uh, uh, medical insurance and she'd been just fine and it bankrupt her. And well, I don't know what else to tell you. Maybe take some responsibility for your life. And if you want medical insurance, go get it. Uh, and if you don't, then... This is the price. You didn't pay for medical insurance for 25 years. Probably should have banked that money, right? <laughs> put it put it in gold. Put it in whatever you want to do. Inflation-proof uh, nonsense. Go right ahead. But that lady, that lady was the, the prime example of why we needed Medicare for all, which it doesn't matter where you go in the world, is primarily used for things like urinary tract infections, which, by the way, you can cure by drinking more water. <laughs> all right? Well, and it, it creates this perverse incentive structure that these are the people you 
you are more likely to be taken care of if you're less likely to be uh, responsible for yourself. And so, mm-hmm. so you see this perverse incentive structure. Uh, I think we were talking about it on the morning show yesterday that I do, that you're seeing more transgenderism in like poor white communities, like really rural poor white communities is starting to crop up because that's the only way that some of these people have an opportunity to get stuff like yeah. to, that's their that's the only outlet that they have for being a marginalized person because otherwise you are uh you have all of your white privilege so like you yeah. can't you can't glom on to anything else like never mind that you're literally in the lowest 10 percent of income in your region like you have to be something that has now become socially acceptable and the thing that will get you whatever it is you want or need and it's so you know how do you fix that problem well you have to remove you have to actually remove the people who are creating that incentive structure in your local communities so that these people that's not an outlet you it's it it has to be that can't even be an option so uh, there's something that should be interjected here because no one seemingly understands incentives and they seemingly do this on purpose if uh 0.1% 0.1% or, and I'm going gigantic here of the U S was transgender 10 years ago. And 20% of the U S uh, school population is now transgender. That's a massive shift. That's two orders of magnitude times two, right? That that's a ton. And yet, well, but it didn't get all of them. Of course it didn't get all of them. I don't think it's all of them, right? You don't need to get all of them. You just need to destroy, I don't know, a quarter, for example, which is basically where they're at, or a third, or a half, right? And now you have done lasting damage forever to a large swath of all of these kids, right? And it's not, and and I hear this all the time, well, I used to hear this all the time, Don, when we were kids, we did dumb things, we listened to bad music, we dressed like idiots, you know, it's it's all fun. You know what's great about dressing like an idiot? You grow up and you buy new clothes. I don't know anywhere that you grow up and buy a new dick, all right? <laughs> don't say that too loud. The transhumanists are going to start working on it. They're, they're gonna, they probably so if that was actually a market... I bet you there would be just as big a market for uh, straight guys who are displeased with themselves. <laughs> you've, got the, you've got the surgeries of the guys that are like like five six that they get the surgery to make themselves like five nine or five ten. You you know people would be dumping money on that too. Oh man, right. Uh, welcome to Wang Lengtheners. I... We can make you more satisfying to the opposite sex or the same sex <laughs> or the same whatever sex, sex. <laughs> or whatever you want to be more satisfying to <laughs> or your hand, whatever, whatever does it for you. <laughs> Both hands Maybe. even. Huh? Maybe the free market isn't such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we ought to wrap on that because that was the most. <laughs> I mean, we we covered everything pretty thoroughly, and, and we also got it's to like have both some fun hands with too. It too. <laughs> <laughs>
Speak for yourself. I've been a Wang Lengthener's customer for years. <laughs> I get the loyalty discount. <laughs> you don't got a punch card. <laughs> Five new lengthenings, you get a free inch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what I'm, I'm doing. I'm tripod now. <laughs> <laughs> This was this was wildly entertaining. Not just the last five minutes here, but the whole thing has been really good. And 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 we talked about a lot of we talked about a lot of different stuff. But I, I think we covered a lot of stuff that is very important to this entire conversation. Um, especially like as much as as much chat as we've had going on in the in the chat on this, and like people engaged and participating in this. Um, it's clearly conversations that people are thinking about and need to be need to be had so i appreciate y'all for coming on and, and talking about uh, talking about it again with me um why don't y'all give your plugs and everything and we'll call it a show you want to go or am i go go for it uh so i think these days the only things i have left are at healer procurement on twitter and uh rumble.com slash pleb media um I somehow or another don't seem to be able to make it anywhere else, uh, despite the fairly large, you know, decent sized uh, subscriber count on YouTube. Nobody sees anything I post there. So <laughs> over to Rumble you go. I just want to shout out real quick Mark Metz in the chat. He said, Owen Benjamin, I had at the local level, Tho Bishop, I had at the state level, America First at the federal level. And uh, our good friend Magoo here said, Bear Mullet MAGA. So uh, I just want to let people know that there's a Bear Mullet MAGA movement that is that is starting now you can get in on the ground level you heard it here uh you can find me on twitter at real king pilled uh youtube has uh past episodes that we've done just look for king pilled all one word on youtube and then uh i also want to give a shout out to our good friend poppy lives and uh his organization the the gop mises caucus uh he's he's got he's got some good stuff that he's working on over there and if you're looking for an actual local level initiative that you can support that doesn't need huge numbers it just needs enough but with enough numbers we can do a lot of good work uh and uh his our, our primary focus with that organization is to restore the social kingship of christ in our local communities and to actually give ourselves a foothold to start uh beating back the the, the hordes of commies um by being able to take over local local governments with relatively few numbers and um plant a virus that will that will fight back for us so if you're interested in that uh there's a there's a link that you can you can you can hit up just shoot me a dm on twitter um and i won't drop the whole link here you can shoot me a dm on twitter and i'll send you over where you can go support that like we talked about if you're not actively fighting against it you're losing or, or right. have already lost so that's yeah being able to do anything at all locally is going to be the the true way forward for all of this Thanks, guys, again for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, who was in the chat and for listening and watching. And uh, I will be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode where I'll talk about probably not something anywhere near as fun as this, but we'll see. Thanks, guys. <laughs>